Viewpoint on Mormonism, the program that examines the teachings of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints from a biblical perspective. Viewpoint on Mormonism is sponsored by Mormonism Research Ministry. Since 1979, Mormonism Research Ministry has been dedicated to equipping the body of Christ with answers regarding the Christian faith in a manner that expresses gentleness and respect. And now, your host for today's Viewpoint on Mormonism. How are we to understand the Apostle Paul's metaphors of salvation in their ancient context? This is the title of an article that is in the August edition of the Leahona magazine, August 2023. It was written by Dr. Jason R. Combs, who is an assistant professor of ancient scripture at Brigham Young University. The subheading says, in his epistle to the Romans, the Apostle Paul used concepts familiar to the people of his time to help them understand Jesus Christ's work of salvation. Now, we ended yesterday's show by reading the first sentence of the second paragraph in this article, where Dr. Combs says, the word justification was used in the Old Testament to teach Israel about their relationship with God. If you missed yesterday's show, Eric had made the comment that when you read this article by Dr. Combs, he does not cite any unique LDS scripture. In other words, there's nothing in his piece that cites the Book of Mormon, the Doctrine and Covenants, the Pearl of Great Price. All of his scriptural citations are from the Bible, except he has this footnote, footnote number one, following the sentence that I just read. And that footnote tells people to go to an official website of the LDS Church. It's scriptures.churchofjesuschrist.org. And the footnote reads, to understand how we use the term justification in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints today, see Guide to the Scriptures, Justification, Justify. What does it say on that webpage? To be pardoned from punishment for sin and declared guiltless. A person is justified by the Savior's grace through faith in him. This faith is shown by repentance and obedience to the laws and ordinances of the gospel. Jesus Christ's atonement enables mankind to repent and be justified or pardoned from punishment they otherwise would receive. Repentance was one of the requirements. And what was the one after that? Obedience to the laws and ordinances of the gospel. Obedience to the laws and ordinances of the gospel. Now, see, this is where Eric and I are wondering— and I, I, you could say, yes, you sound a little suspicious, and we are. We have to admit this. We're a bit confused by this. <laughs> We're freely admitting this. Did Dr. Combs insert that footnote? Is that a part of his original manuscript that was submitted to the Leahona magazine, or did an editor put footnote one in there? And the reason why we ask that is because the footnote and the explanation of how that word is described doesn't seem to fit the rest of what Dr. Combs is trying to say in his article. So did an editor do that? Is that something that Dr. Combs really believes? Because if so, it doesn't sound like he's being consistent. And we're trying to give him the benefit of the doubt. We don't know if he inserted footnote one or that was done by an editor. I think one of the reasons why we're so suspicious is there are three side boxes on these three pages. 
and they're citing church leaders. One is citing Dallin H. Oaks, who's the first counselor of the first presidency. On page U4, they're citing Dieter F. Uchtdorf and in a quote that he gives. And then on page U5, Dale G. Renlin is cited. So we do have three different leaders, but they're not put into the article, and neither is this footnote. I think it would have been more fair if he's going to write about this and include that in there as sidebars. Why not just include that in the article to give us a more complete picture? Because according to the Guide to the Scriptures under Justification Justify, this faith is shown by repentance and obedience to the laws and ordinances of the gospel, which seems to contradict the very message that Romans has and the way that this is explained by Dr. Combs. And we would say that following these laws and ordinances of the gospel, though we would not believe in the gospel of the LDS church, the restored gospel, but we would look at things like that as being part of sanctification. Yes, we are justified by our faith, but then we move on into sanctification, and sanctification is certainly an effort on our part to want to live a life that glorifies the one who mercifully saved us and forgave us of our sins. There was a manual that was published for years by the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints called Doctrines of the Gospel Student Manual, Religion 231 and 232. And this is what it says under the subheading B titled, Justification is being forgiven by the Lord and set upon the path of righteousness. And this is what it says on page 50 of this manual. What then is the law of justification? It is simply this, all covenants, contracts, bonds, obligations, oaths, vows, performances, connections, associations, or expectations in which men must abide to be saved and exalted must be entered into and performed in righteousness so that the Holy Spirit can justify the candidate for salvation in what has been done. Now, the question you need to ask at this point is, done by whom? Well, the candidate is the individual who is seeking to be justified. Now, this is in a church manual, which we are led to believe by other statements put out by the church. It has been correlated or vetted by the first presidency. When this manual was put into production, we are led to believe that the first presidency went through it, checked it for accuracy, before it went out to the masses or the members in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Was Paul teaching a definition like I just read from this Doctrines of the Gospel student manual, Religion 231 and 232? I would argue no. Paul's definition and the way Dr. Combs is explaining are pretty much side by side there. But certainly this quotation is not. And yet that quotation that I just read is not the footnote under footnote one. It's a watered down, even though it still says that you need to do certain things in order to be justified, certain things beyond just faith in what Christ did. Well, he continues in his article, Combs writes on page U3, the idea comes from a legal context. For example, in Deuteronomy 16, 18 through 20, Israel is commanded to appoint judges to render just decisions and pursue what is altogether just. In the original Hebrew, this reads, 
pursue justice, justice, repeating the word justice twice for emphasis. Just and justice derive from the same Hebrew and Greek roots as justification. Prophets use the image of a law court with God as judge to poetically warn Israel and his neighboring nations. And he gives some Old Testament scriptures to support that. In Isaiah 43, 9, God summons the nations to appear before him as if in court. Quote, let the people be assembled, let them bring forth their witnesses that they may be justified, end quote. To be justified, in parentheses, declared just or pardoned, would be the hope of anyone brought to court. Yet some Old Testament authors were concerned that God's justice or his righteousness, both translations of the same word in Hebrew and Greek, would condemn people. The psalmist acknowledges, quote, for in thy sight shall no man living be justified, end quote, and that's from Psalm 143, 2. Paul refers to this psalm in Romans 3:20, quote, by the deeds of the law, and then he has in brackets of Moses, there shall be no flesh be justified in, and then in brackets, God's sight. Paul then presents the solution. God, our great divine judge, chooses to declare us just or righteous because of Christ. We are, quote, justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, end quote, and that's from Romans 3, 24. Now, there's something in that portion that you read, Eric, that caught my attention. When he's citing Romans 3.20, he says, by the deeds of the law, and then in brackets, as you said, he has of Moses, law of Moses. So are we assuming that what Dr. Combs is trying to get across here is, no, we're not saved by Mosaic law, as if we're not saved by any law at all? Or is it just Mosaic law? And the reason why I ask this question is because in Mormonism, they have what's known, as I mentioned earlier, celestial law. It's still law. In fact, Latter-day Saint leaders have made it very clear that if you hope to get into the celestial kingdom, something that I don't believe Paul really believed in as Mormons believe in it today, I don't think he relegated our eternity into three levels as Latter-day Saints do. But if Dr. Combs is trying to imply that by the deeds of the law of Moses, there shall no flesh be justified in God's sight, is he opening the door to say, by the deeds of the celestial law, we can be justified in his sight? Because you see, if that's what he's doing here, and I don't know if he is, I really don't, But if that's what he's doing here, if he's allowing celestial law as being okay, as opposed to Mosaic law not being okay, he's not saying the same thing that Paul was saying, but yet he doesn't explain it that way. And that's the point. He does not explain it that way. Without those brackets, if you read through those three paragraphs, generally, I'm going to agree overall with what he's saying. In fact, I'm looking at the website crossway.org, and they have an article written by Andy Nacelli, and he wrote the article, A Systematic Theology of Justification. And we should say that that he is an evangelical, giving his perspective. And this is what he writes, very similar to what was written here in the Leahona magazine. He, uh, Nacelli writes, Justification means to declare righteous, not to make righteous in the sense of transforming one's character to be righteous. It is a metaphor from the law court, where a judge pronounces someone as either guilty or not guilty. Paul contrasts condemning, pronouncing guilty, and justifying, 
pronouncing not guilty but righteous, in Romans 8, 33-34. Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? God justifies the ungodly, Romans 4, 5, in that he legally declares ungodly people to be innocent and righteous, not in that he transforms ungodly people into godly people. To me, that is a very good definition as well, but it seems to be very close to what was written here in this article in the Leahona magazine. But yet when we look at the doctrines of Mormonism, you're going to only be justified if you are godly. I mean, that's the whole idea of the covenant path. You can't just have faith in Christ or say you have faith in Christ and not keep on the covenant path. And what is the covenant path? Well, that's all about keeping all these regulations and all these ordinances. In other words, the covenants that you have made when you were baptized into the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and the covenants you make when you go to the temple, it's all about works. And I don't think Paul is saying the same thing in that regard. In fact, I know he's not saying the same thing. There's no way you can read the entire book of Romans and draw the conclusion that he's talking about Mormon doctrine. When I see in brackets like this of Moses, I have to ask the question only because I I am a little skeptical here. Does Dr. Combs mean that even though it's not Mosaic law that gets us saved or justified, it's celestial law? that gets us saved or justified. We'll continue looking at what Dr. Combs says in tomorrow's show. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information regarding Mormonism Research Ministry, we encourage you to visit our website at www.mrm.org, where you can request our free newsletter, Mormonism Researched. We hope you will join us again as we look at another viewpoint on Mormonism.